exciting, doesn't it? Maybe eventually, if I just keep preaching this one sermon, then eventually we'll get it, and then we can move on. So the quicker we learn, so this is on you, really, what I'm trying to say. This is, this is not on me, all right? Under your seat was a Bible, and if this is your first time, um, or if you don't have a Bible and you need one, then please take one of ours. We have a bunch of them, and we have boxes full of them. So go ahead and take one, take it home, use it, um, read it, mark through it, do whatever you need to do. So um, we're still going to be in Colossians, page 1,166. Same page we were on last week. <laughs> If you don't, if you're like, I'm too tired because it's too hot and I'm sweating, I don't feel like moving, um, you can just look up on the screen and we'll read it from the screen. Here we go, verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that come. Um, the reality, however, is found in Christ. Verse 18, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by ligaments and sinews, grows and causes God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Verse 23, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. And we talked about that last week. Um, about the fine-sounding arguments. Um, such regulations have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So I was actually going to buy um, the cards that say my name is, and I was going to put it on everybody's seat, um, but I ran out of money this week. So just imagine with me that there's a, a card on your seat Right? If you were to put your identity on that, if you were to say in one word or two words that were legible, um, what would you put on that? Like, what is your real identity? Like, how do you really, really view yourself? And growing up, I'm the youngest of four. My oldest brother and sister were twins, and Kelly is three years older than me. Going through elementary, junior high, high school, I was always, oh, you're Sean and Sonia's little brother. I'm like... Yeah, actually, I have a name. You can call me that if you want, if it gets me a better grade. But I do have a name. It's Joe, just in case you're wondering. Right? It wasn't until, like, people started implementing um, all those teachers. that even, I'm telling you, they had teachers, and I had teachers that my parents had. Our Spanish teacher, I think, was at least 140 years old. There was no way that you could teach my mom and look the same then than you do now, something weird was going on. Right? So going through high school and school, I was always Joey's little brother. Right? So I thought when I got into ministry... Like, I'm going to be a minister. People know me, right? I was like, oh, aren't you Michelle's husband? I'm like, what? I'm on, I'm on staff. You should know me before you know her. So obviously it didn't work out like the way I thought it was going to work out. So I was just still Michelle's husband, right? So um, who is your identity? Who do you really think that you are? What would you put on it? Let me wrap up those seven verses for you. What it's trying to say is, um, listen, your identity is Christ, period. That's your identity. Your identity is Christ. If 
Your identity is anything else. Let me be really clear about this, right? There's a lot of things I have to say today that I don't like to say because I like people to like me. And sometimes you just have to say things that aren't fun. And this is one of them. If anything else but Christ is your identity, that's self-idolatry. I know it's a big word. Oh, well, it's not really. Right, if you hide behind your family and your kids and your identity isn't Christ, right, and they're keeping you from this and they're keeping you from your relationship with God, guess what? That's self-idolatry. If your job that you value and you have to put food on the table and pay the bills, if that is keeping you from worshiping God, if that is keeping you from the body and it's separating you from God's church, that is self-idolatry. Right? I don't know what you would put on that card. Some of you would say I'm husband or father. Some of you guys would say, you know, I'm a follower of Christ. Um, some of you might even put, I'm a Trekkie, right? You're still a self-idolater. You're just a really weird self-idolater. I'm not judging. I'm just saying um, I can't really even do that thing. My fingers do really weird things, so I can't do it. Um, can anybody else do that with both hands? What? This hand freaks out. This hand won't do it. Only my pinky goes out, right? So what is, what is your identity? Because, listen, if Christ were to hide behind his family... We'd have had no savior. But if he'd have said, listen, God, I'm God. I'm not just man. I'm 100% man and I'm 100% God. I'm going to hide behind that. Listen, you would have had no savior. There'd been no cross. We would not be meeting here today. You would not be hearing this message. What identifies you? So there's really those four themes within those first seven verses. The first one is um, your identity should be Christ. The second one is this. God qualifies you. Nobody else. It says, don't let anyone, in verse 18, don't let anyone who else delights in the false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. But remember verse 1, chapter, or chapter 1, verse 12, it says what? That God qualifies you, period. Nobody else, nothing else, no self-imposed regulations, which we'll get to in a second. None of this else. I don't identify you, right? I don't qualify you. Your spouse doesn't qualify you. Your parents don't qualify you. Your teachers, nobody, your boss doesn't qualify you. Nobody qualifies you except your relationship with Christ and what is found within that, period. And here's a big one. When we first started talking about this, um, I said, listen, a lot of us and some of us have come from churches that have beat us up. And what I've noticed, a lot of people that are coming to Atrium haven't been connected to church for a really long time. Right? They were coming here just beat up, coming here confused, coming here. Last time I was in church... It really, really beat me up. But here's the thing. You can't love God and hate his church. And we've talked about that. You can't say, God, I love you. I'm just going to watch all the online podcasts. That's, that's kind of where I need right now. I need to sit back and watch Andy Stanley or I need to sit Joel Osteen or whoever you're going to watch on TV or online. I'm going to sit back and watch that because I can't go back to church right now. I'm not ready for that. But you can't love God and hate his church because Christ is, right, his body is this. We are his body. He loves the church dearly, which he died for, and you can't stand in opposition to that. You can't say, God, I deeply love you, and I have a deep relationship with you, but I'm just not ready to invest into your people. I'm not ready to go into church and kind of be vulnerable, but you can't live in those two worlds. It's impossible. You cannot have spiritual growth if you are not connected to the body. 
So if you're wondering why you are who you are today and you were the same person last year or the year before, there's, there's the part of your equation that is that's a little screwed up. Here's another one. Regulations. This is a big one. Verse 23. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility. This is really harsh language. And I want you to know right now who Paul's talking to. Right? A lot of times you come to church, you're like, oh, man, my non-Christian friend needs to hear that talk. All right? We do that. We'll start elbowing. Right? But I'm, you can elbow the person next to you because, listen, he's talking to us. He's talking to people that get it or are supposed to get it. He's talking to Christians. Right? So you can't, you can't doze off on this one and put it on the non-Christian. This is for us. Right? Those who claim to be with Christ. Such regulations, in verse 23, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship and their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining self-indulgence. And like I said, we have a lot of people that have come to this church, that have come from other churches, that put regulations on you, and now you don't even know how to live without the regulations. You've been so self-imposed, so regulated, so you have to live within this box or you're not right, you're not right with God that now you're really screwed up. Right? In order to be a member of this church, you can't touch alcohol. You can't eat certain food. You can't do certain things. Right? If I'm sitting here and tell you to be a member of this church, which I don't even know is biblical or not, <laughs> right? like God says, let your yes be yes. Do you need to sign something? If you say you're committed, be committed. Right? So what he's saying, listen, if you go to a church and they're saying to be a member here, to be okay with us here, to be involved with us here, stay away from alcohol. Stay away from these things. Don't smoke. Don't do all these things. Are those... <laughs> Could people are like, yes, but in this world, we inherently, right, um, alcohol is a problem with our world. It is a problem with our world, yes. But me imposing the regulation doesn't equate to righteousness. It doesn't. And if you're involved in a church that's doing that, right, if you came from a church that's doing that, you can't breed righteousness through regulations. It will never happen. That is not because the church, if churches are doing that, they don't get it. They haven't died with Christ. They don't understand the freedom that comes with the gospel. And I know one side note to everyone that says, I don't want to, right, most people say, I'm not going to go into church, one, because people in church are hypocrites, right? We say that, and I tell you that, well, you're lucky if your church only had hypocrites, right? That's pretty cool. You only got one bad thing, right? My church, we have a lot, we have really screwed up people, right? Um, We probably have... We have alcoholics, we have drug addicts, we have adulterers, we have hypocrites, right? We have people who are sloths, we have people who overindulge, we have all these things, right? So if your church only has hypocrites, you're doing really, really good. Come hang out with my church, we're really screwed up, right? And that's me too, right? If you're not screwed up, I've said it before, you should go find a different church. Don't mess all this up. (laughs) Go somewhere. And the other person, the other time they say is like, I, I don't want this life because there's too many rules. And then they're just going to the wrong church, right? Because here's the thing. People that do that are false teachers. That is heresy. That is not biblical. So if you've been to churches and you say that, that they have to do these things, I'm telling you, that is just as much false teaching as they were to say that Jesus Christ wasn't the son of God, that he was just a prophet and he didn't really come to die for the world. There is no difference. There is no difference whatsoever. I remember... Moving here, not knowing everybody, it's called a parachute plant, right? You just, bah, I don't know what's going on, right? Don't know, I don't know anybody, right? I remember the first time, and this is even somebody people had handpicked for us. Listen, we have two really good people for your launch team. I'm like, yes, our first 
couple, right? We invite them over to dinner, Michelle and I, we do, it's a really good dinner, right? Because we still had a ton of money in the budget for them. So they were like, let's just do it right. I mean, I mean, everything in the house looked good. It was clean. We didn't have twins yet. That was probably the reason, right? So we still, we were still sane, right? So we could still think and we could um, organize things. And the house was decently clean. So they come in and we just have the lunch or we have the dinner. We're just great conversation, right? And then they're like, so, you know, tell me about, you know, the expectations of what you think um, you want for us, right? So I was like, bam, right? Here, here's the covenant. If you're going to be on the launch team, here's my covenant. And it wasn't just like this little post note, right? It was the scroll. Right? I had to have somebody else hold it, right? Harrison had to go down here and hold it because I couldn't undo it all the way. And I started going down through all these things like, I expect you to be this, and I expect you to do this. I expect you to tithe. I expect you to be there every Sunday. I ex-. And they were just like, at first they were like, oh, yeah. Like their eyes just kept getting bigger and bigger. And they were like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, they never really answered me, right? They just kind of said to like, oh, yeah, I think, I mean, I got, I think we had another thing we got to get to, so we'll call you and we'll let you know. See, I thought, like, if I gave you all these lists, if I gave you these regulations, I put you within the box, you would get it, and that would feel free. But to them, they freaked out, and they never came. <laughs> they never came. I'm like, but somebody handpicked you for me. Isn't there something in the Bible that says you, if you've already been handpicked for the launch team and you don't show up, that you should be punished severely for that? Like, you're the only people we know. You have to come. And they never came. I still pray for them, though, daily. Because here's what's happening. If you do that, if you self-impose, because I, I could do that to you guys. I could say, listen, it, here's what atrium is. You cannot touch these things. You cannot eat these things. You can't handle these things. You can't go to the movies because you might see something that you shouldn't see. Then... All I'm going to have, if anyone's there, right, there may be like three people out there like, I'm going to go see these movies. Don't talk to me. You're stupid. I don't know you. I don't have to come anyway, right? You could do that. But if I did that, I'm going to have a few people that don't understand what freedom in Christ is and they don't have real righteousness. They have false humility in their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining. Like, because listen, what's going to happen is you're still going to, because that's not even the issue, Right? Because it's not even about your sin. It's about what's squeezing you that's causing the sin. If you're only focusing on the outward obedience and the outward um, behavior, you've only modified something that eventually will sneak into your life and screw you up anyway. Right? You don't worry about, okay, if I'm struggling with this, let me just attack that. Okay, cool, maybe. But you're just going to transfer that addiction right to something else because you never dealt with the heart. You never dealt with the righteousness of your life. All right, let me step off that soapbox. Let's move into chapter 3. Since then, another illustration, another version, I'm sorry, says, if then, if. If you've been raised with Christ, what he's saying here, if you are really a Christian, if you think you've been saved, because what's verse 20 say back in chapter 2 real quick? Since you died with Christ, right? Since you died with Christ, verse 1 in chapter 3, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. So if you've really been saved, if you've really been raised with Christ, like the video you've seen, like, listen, because we were all dry bones at one point. We were all dead, left to ourselves, trying to figure things out in our life, and we couldn't. And Christ moves in. He invaded our life and gave us an opportunity to understand his righteousness and understand his glory and to understand his love. If not, we'd have been in a pasture full of bones, lying next to dry bones 
with nothing to offer, just dead, just laying out there, collecting dust. But he's saying, listen, if you've been raised with Christ, if you've been brought together through his love, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Because some of us are just walking through life, just trying to make it. Just trying to put one step in front of another, hoping things go okay. Because the, the thing about an identity and the thing about legalism is if you can only survive in this legalistic type society and that you're hiding behind everything else but Christ, what you're saying to God is, listen, I don't need you to save me. I can save myself. Remember, Paul is talking to Christians here. He's not talking to the unsaved, to the ones who don't get it. He's talking to the ones who are supposed to get it. Now, I'm not assuming everybody in here is saved. If you are, let's just shut the doors down because we're not doing what we need to be doing anyway. There should be people in here today that don't get it and don't know who God is and don't understand his glory. This is probably the one time that I can say, hey, if you're not a Christian, then you're kind of off the hook today. So everybody that's on the hook, (laughs) on the other hand. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. For you died. There it is again. For you died. Listen, you died to yourself. Why do you keep running back? You died to yourself. I raised you up. You were dry bones. You died. I brought you back. Why are you still living as though (laughs) that you haven't? Why are you still living by your own regulations, thinking that you can get through life without me? You can't. You're only alive because of my grace. You died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That should be the hope. That should be what we should be hanging on to, the hope that we should, listen, I can't do it by myself. And the earlier you can say that, the better off things are for us. Listen, I can't put one foot in front of another. I I don't have it. I'm exhausted with life. I can't do this anymore. My life, I'm maxed out with kids, with work, with expectations. With my addiction, I am. I have nothing to give. Exactly. You had nothing to give in the first place. Because if you did, again, let me say it again. If you did, there would be no need for the cross. You don't have what it takes. You aren't good enough. I should not be in Philippians. There we go. Verse 5, put to death. (laughs) This is, again, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Later on, that we'll get to next week, it says, clothe yourselves with Christ. Like, clothe yourself with these things. Put on certain things. So you can't put on something new until you've taken off something old, So we need to take off our old clothes. Don't do that now. Don't do that here. We're taking off your clothes in church. I thought about playing the Nelly song in the background when I said that. But if you don't know what I mean, then you can look it up. (laughs) 
because I ain't about to sing that for you. I, I want you to continue to remember that he's talking to Christians, that he's talking to us. He's talking to the ones who say you are saved. And some of you may be saved and you're not. Some of you may think, hey, listen, I had this really cool, I, I cried one time at church camp. I think that saved me. That, that, that didn't save you. I'm telling you, that didn't save you. One emotional moment on a mountaintop didn't save you. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Like we think, like, hey, I can live this life, right? I can stay over here, and I know I have this struggle, but I'm, especially for guys, like we can compartmentalize really, really well, right? So we can say, this is my life, my home life. This is my work life. This is my area of my life that I don't struggle, but it doesn't really affect these things. <laughs> it does because we're connected to everything. We need to think more like women think, right? And women think everything is connected. You can't compartmentalize anything at times when you should and need to. But we'll save that for a couple weeks down the road. So all the guys are like, mm-hmm, yeah, y'all definitely need to do that. You can't. You can't love God and hate his church. You can't be screwed up. You can't continue to live in this lifestyle. Because I'm telling you, you can walk away from your faith you can walk away from that. I know some people say, hey, once you're saved, you're always saved. That is nonsense. And Paul says, listen, just because grace abounds when you sin doesn't mean you should keep on sinning so more grace will abound. That is foolish. That's how children talk, right? That's how people on the bottle talk. It would look weird if all y'all are still, some of y'all are still, right, coming in here drinking from a bottle, which looks really weird, right? Some of you guys are still playing in a kiddie pool when you're 30 years old, and that's awkward, Right? If you saw the 30-year-old playing in the kiddie pool, you would call the cops. <laughs> Especially if he was having fun and making puddles and splashing around and doing crazy stuff. All right, let me get on. Put to death. That word death right there um, literally means just to slay, just to put to death. It's this word. The root word um, is, the, Hebrew, or the Greek word is necro. Now, I don't know if you ever saw Chronicles of Riddick. Have anyone seen it? Right? Those who are dead are called the necromongers. Right? They're just, they're just like walking dead. And sometimes that's what he's saying. Like, I need you still to live, but I just need you to put to dead those things. Right? Put to death these things. Because here's what verse 6 says. Because of these, because of those things all I just listed. So I'll relist them in case we forgot. Sexual immorality, impurity, which is really, really wide range. Lust, which is a really, really wide range. Evil desires and greed, which everybody's covered there. So if you're like, oh, I'm off the hook. No, you're not. You're in one of those. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Right? Remember we talked about in Thessalonians, it says, in God, there is no wrath. So what is he saying? If this is the lifestyle you're living, you're not living in him. Period. I know that doesn't make us feel good. Right? I know that's, that's not like candy corn and candy corn. I don't know why I said candy corn. It's not like ice cream and hopscotch that makes you feel real good and bubbly. It's not like bubbles that make you smile all the time. That's just, that's kind of, that sucks. That Listen, but yeah, but I mean, grace is there. Yeah, I get it. Grace is there, but I'm talking about a continual living. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. That's why you were dead, dry bones, 
But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. And if you maybe thought you slid under the mark on the first list, here's another list that definitely covered everybody. Um, I know none of you guys have ever been mad. Um, malice, you've never talked about, I know you've never gossiped in your entire life. So those, I might not, shouldn't even be talking to you. I probably should just go preach this to a different church, right, because I know that we don't struggle with these things. Filthy language. Do not lie to each other. I know since you've never lied, you're still good. Maybe eventually I'll get to the one that nails you. Um, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of the creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. A lot of us, I grew up thinking certain people deserved the grace of God and certain people didn't deserve the grace of God. And Paul continues to remind us, right, listen, Jews, you, as much as the Gentiles, are in Christ. You get to have his grace. You get to be brought up in the creator, in the image of him. You get to hide in him. Gentiles, the same thing. Circumcised, uncircumcised, right? Because the Jews used to call the, the Gentiles the uncircumcised, right? Slave or free. Barbarian or Scythian, which I didn't know what a Scythian was. The barbarian, right, it was obviously ruthless, just did things in the barbaric sense. And that's why we call them barbarians. But Scythians were like on the totem pole below, right? They were brutal, when they, when they murdered people and they killed people, they would chop their heads off. They would skin the heads and drink blood, their blood, from the skulls of the ones they had just murdered to show their might and to show their power. They would chop people up. They would burn people alive at the stake. It didn't get much worse, more barbaric. It didn't get just more heinous than the Scythians. Right? And if I look at them, I'm like, hmm, if I'm putting anybody on the list that probably doesn't get to deserve God's grace, it would be them. But he's saying, listen, it's all done. Whether you're black or you're white, whether you're poor or you have money, whether you've been in church all your life, whether you have a flipping MDiv and you can recite the entire Bible without stuttering, I don't care. Because in Christ, there is all, right? In me, there is all. I am the hope. You're not the hope. You are dry bones. I brought you together. I put your flesh on. I put the muscles on. I put the ligaments. I brought you back to life, and I raised you from the dead. And now what I'm asking you to do again is to die to yourself and to have hope. Who is your identity? What is your identity? Who in your life are you looking down on that you don't think deserves the grace of God? Did somebody walk into church this morning and you're like, I can't believe that they're here? I mean, I know know what they do during the week. I can't believe they had the nerve to walk in to church and to raise their hands singing to God like nothing is wrong. But that's what legalism does to you. It hardens you so much that you can't even get to the root of your sin because you're so hard and you're so impenetrable. 
because you think it has to do with what you can do in order to see the one who created you. Here's the hope. No matter how screwed up you are, you have a Savior ready to embrace you. You have a Savior ready to embrace you. Because if we're going around and pointing fingers at people, saying, I don't think they deserve the love of God, or I know who they really are, it doesn't say as much about them as it does about you and how you view yourself and in your insecurity and your sin. Because I've come to realize people that point out the sin the most, the churches and the leaders that point out the sin the most and harp on certain sins are the exact same sin that they're struggling with. They just don't have the courage and the guts to actually ask for repentance. And to actually come forward and say, I'm a sinner. They hide behind themselves. They hide behind their false identity and impose it on you and give you regulations to live by. But that is false teaching. And Christ says, in that, I don't exist. All of us are guilty of hiding behind ourselves. Come out from behind the wall. Your identity lies within nothing that is on this earth because God says it's going to perish and it'll be gone. Don't put your hope in anything in this world. Put your hope in me. Hide yourself in me. I saved you. I brought you to life. And if you live within me, you can have life. You can choose yourself, but that is death. That is dried up bones laying in a field, collecting dust, and you are no good to me there, and you are no good to the kingdom there. If this is a moment in your life that you've been struggling, that you're trying to figure out what you need to do with your life, just give it to Christ. Really, that's the answer. It sounds really simple because it is. God made it really easy. I'm not asking you to even know one verse. God's not asking you to even know what Genesis 1-1 says. He's just saying, listen, if there's something in your soul that is stirring you towards me, that is not you. You had nothing to do with that. That is me and my spirit invading your life, trying to give you hope, trying to give you a future. And I'm just asking you to be okay with me invading your life. This is an opportunity for you to give your lives to Christ. Not to dive in to regulations, but to dive into and to live within freedom. You are free to do whatever you want. God doesn't put expectations on you. He just puts his hope and his love that will draw you and make you want to change. So if you need to talk, if there's something in your heart that's been stirring for a year, a month, a day, this moment then I'll be sitting over here by the barrel and I would love to talk. I would love to pray for you. I would love to hear what you have to say. Let's pray. God, you're amazing. I need your forgiveness in the sense that I try to live this life like I have something to give. And I know that in um, my inability to understand you, that that is not true. That I understand that my brain is really, really small and I can't comprehend much when it comes to you. 
and I need your forgiveness. When I lift up other things instead of you, when I lift up my own pride and I hide behind my family and I, and I forsake your church and I forsake your love, even on staff and working for your church, and I put that ahead of you.